Hey, it's another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob, and every episode here, I like to talk about some new movies that I've watched. And those aren't always new releases. And matter, matter of fact, this episode, we're going to go back and watch some old stuff. And in, especially in this case, some stuff that I've kind of ignored. Kind of just didn't think was all that, uh, all that relevant to watch. Before we get started, go to filmstreak.com. You can check out some earlier episodes. You can subscribe to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever the podcasts are that you like to get them. And you can also sign up to get these directly to your email, which, hey, it just makes it easier for you. I don't send you anything else other than the next episode whenever it comes out, usually every week. And uh, also on filmstreak.com, you can find a list of all of the films I've been talking about here. Now we're over 250. I mean, you can go to IMDb, you can add them to your list, you can rate them, review them, do whatever you want to do. You can find out if they're even available to watch if you've never seen them either. So it's a handy little tool. I like to do that for you. And, you know, hey, Letterboxd, if that's a thing, if you're one of those people, um, go for it. Go do that. Go look it up on Filmstreak uh, or go look for the list. Search for Filmstreak and you'll see a somewhat up to date, somewhat current list there also. So, all right, um, this episode, I wanted to go back and talk about a filmmaker and some of the early work that I either didn't really, uh, I, I just didn't really pay attention to, or I, you know, hey, I, I just underestimated. This episode, we're going to talk about David Lynch. So, let's get right into it. All right, Film Streak 250, Big 250. Eraserhead. This is a film written and directed by David Lynch. Came out in 1977. Hey, sorry, there's no trailer for it, really, because this film is just, uh, it's a little too hard to put into a box, I think. It's kind of hard to summarize in a minute, minute and a half. And frankly, um, even to talk about it now, this is a very uh, abstract, conceptual film that defies a lot of genre, defies a lot of traditional storytelling uh, devices, I think. So, uh, you know, I don't really know if I can give you a lot outside of the plot, what little there is. Um, I can maybe just describe the experience of watching it. And I'm sure if you look deep and far enough, you will see that people have been able to really break this film down and talk about it in very intellectual ways. I don't think that's going to happen here. This is a film that I, I think in my mind, I imagined what it was more than ever taking the time to watch it. And when you line that up with other films that David Lynch ended up doing later in his career, um, I think you would see that this really seemed to be an indicator of the types of odd and strange and quirky types of stories he would end up telling. Now, this one has a very distinct look. It's in black and white, and it's shot in a very, um, it's almost a very oppressive, claustrophobic style. And and I'm sure that the part of that is by design, but probably also limitations of being an independent filmmaker and not having a lot to work with. And I can appreciate that. I can appreciate really being able to take little to nothing and creating something very distinct. So I, 
I like that. I like seeing that on screen and seeing the vision that the artist, the the filmmaker has in mind right away. Not really trying to like suss it out. Just it's right there. You get, okay, this guy, he has a very distinct vision for what he's trying to do. Cool. Got you. Now, the story itself and some of the characters and some of the, uh, let's say, portrayals or the rendition of all of this as a whole, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm sure a part, a part of it is meant to be comedic. Part of it is meant to be dramatic or uh, even suspenseful. But um, I don't know that it really hits or lands with me the way it might have if I had seen it either when I was younger or just many years ago. And at this point in life that I'm at now, it seems a little bit, um, what's the word? I'm trying to find the right word here because I don't want to sound insulting. I don't want to sound disrespectful because I understand the art here. But maybe the word might be simplistic. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, this story that we're introduced to this character named Henry who lives alone. He lives a very somewhat simple life. Uh, We're not really clear on where we are or what it is that he does, or even um, what period of time we're in. And so we watch Henry go about his life. He has a girlfriend, and he goes to meet her family. And I think that's maybe the first indication of the type of characters and the type of um, the type of sensibility that this story really takes on. Mary tells me you're a very nice fellow. What do you do? Oh, oh, I'm on vacation. What did you do? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Well, I, I work at Lapel's factory. I'm a printer. Henry's very clever at printing. Yes, he sounds very clever. I thought I heard a stranger. We've got chicken tonight. Strangest damn things. They're man-made. Little damn things. Smaller than my fist. But they're new. I'm Bill. Hello. I'm Henry. Henry's at Lapel's factory. Well, printing's your business, huh? Plumbing's mine. Thirty years. I've seen this neighborhood change from pastures to the hellhole it is now. I put every damn pipe in this neighborhood. Now, people think pipes grow in their home. Well, they sure as hell don't. Look at my knees. Look at my knees. Are you hungry? And look, when you get interactions like that, uh, you know, part of it is you're not really sure what to make of it. You're not sure what are these people really doing? What is this filmmaker really doing? What's trying to be conveyed here? Uh, The way I take it is, at least with this film, these characters, is that this is all about the inner turmoil and the uh, discomfort and the social anxieties that someone has inside them or people have inside them as a whole, and how those things 
can be manifest outward, right? Like they're not just things that these characters are like containing within them. So they're actually working their way out into conversation and into situations. And it looks odd. It feels weird. And I guess that's the idea is to put everything off kilter because inside, maybe that's what everybody's really kind of dealing with. So, all right, I got you. I think I, I think I get the vibe there. The other side of this is this film is about a man who he meets this woman. They have a relationship. They end up having a baby because at the beginning of the film, it's a big, giant, beefy nut just flying through the air. And then all of a sudden, there's this strange, beefy nut baby that they got to take care of. And then Mary, his girlfriend, wife, baby mama, whatever, she bounces. She's like, I can't do this. The baby's too weird. Makes a lot of noise. Cries all night. And Henry has to deal with this on his own becomes a little bit of a single parent situation, becomes a little bit of like he's kind of got an eye for the neighbor next door, but she's weird. And uh, it's just an odd situation where he kind of just goes through like a mental breakdown. And we we do eventually see what Eraserhead means, like what the title of the film means. I don't really know that I completely made sense of it, but I think I kind of got the idea. And still... Is trying to tackle a lot of kind of bigger subjects and themes about maybe adulthood and relationships and families and all that stuff. But it's so odd. It's so, uh, it's actually to me as a viewer, it just, and maybe just watching it now, it feels so like outwardly hostile, like so, uh, so hard to kind of get through the outer layer of weirdness and really just appreciate the, story and the ideas that are trying to be conveyed. And I, you know, maybe that's just, this, this just isn't really my speed and that's cool. That's all right. But I think if the stranger work of David Lynch is your bag, this would probably be the one to see then. On the other hand, um, some of the films that I have seen from David Lynch, um, Blue Velvet, I saw a long time ago, probably in the, like the I don't know, mid nineties. And maybe I was too young for it. Uh, Some of it kind of didn't really work for me. I didn't really get, I think some of the ideas in it. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't like it. Um, now when I saw a lost highway, that was a whole different story. Something about that film just works for me. That is just my jam right there. It's got a whole sort of mood to it. It's got this strange, like switch up in the middle where all of a sudden we're in a whole different movie and it's just got weird, evil Robert Blake in it, right? So uh, I'm into it. And, um, you know, I did eventually see, sometime after that, I saw Mulholland Drive. Another one where I feel like it's a couple of different movies in one. And I don't know that I really liked either one of them. You know, the winky scene, I think, maybe the the head I was in at the time or or whatever it was, the point in life I was at. That scene borderline traumatized me. <laughs> if you've seen Mulholland Drive, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, took me by surprise. Don't know that I really got over it entirely. So here, like looking back to Eraserhead, this is David Lynch's first feature length film. I don't know that I'd necessarily go back and watch this film again. I, didn't, I can't even really say I actually enjoyed it, was entertained by it. I know some people that kind of can quote this film or, or, or like, you know, remember certain parts of the film. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, nothing really sticks out in a, in a very distinct and memorable way. 
in terms of, oh, I'm, this is going to live with me now. Uh, this, this just wasn't it. I don't know if I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it if you're maybe interested in David Lynch's work, like a complete body of work, and especially early work. That's kind of what we're doing here. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm just totally off. But in the meantime, hey, um, check it out if you like. I saw it on uh, Criterion Channel. I think it, it might even be like on HBO Max or Max or whatever it's called these days. Um, I'm sure it's available to stream somewhere. All right, on to the next. All right, here we go. Look, Film Streak 251, The Elephant Man. Life is full of surprises. Ladies and gentlemen, the terrible elephant man. At first, you will want to turn away from him. Then, you may find him a silent, unresisting target for your ridicule. Stand up. Stand up! Turn around! Mister, why is your head so big, mister? <laughs> but if you come to know him... Have you always been the way you are now? You will begin to see beyond the perversion of his form. Are you in any pain? Are your parents still alive? Your father? Your mother? And discover the beauty in the beast. He is English. He is 21. His name is John Merrick. At no time have I met with such a perverted or degraded version of a human being as this man. Am I to assume, then, that he is ultimately incurable? Yes, sir. This hospital doesn't accept incurables. The freak hunting. This is monstrous. If you ask my opinion, he's only being stared at all over again. People pay money to see your monster, Mr. Treves. I'll collect it. Yeah, the monster. Yeah, that freak. What was it all for? Why did I do it? And perhaps for the first time, you will understand the true meaning of courage and human dignity. I am not an animal. I am a human being. You're not an elephant man at all. You're Romeo. Anthony Hopkins, Anne Bancroft, Sir John Gielgud, Wendy Hiller, and John Hurt as The Elephant Man. Coming from Paramount Pictures. Okay. So, look. This is a film, this is from 1980, it's directed by David Lynch. Uh, it's his first feature for, or or at least distributed by a, a major Hollywood studio. And, uh, you know, if you look into some of the background of the film, it's an interesting process that this film, how this film got made. It was produced by Mel Brooks. He didn't want his name on the film only because people would mistake it as a comedy. I mean, he made... Young Frankenstein, which clearly kind of seemed like this, people could make the wrong connection there. So I understand it. But uh, this is actually based on a, a book from 1923. And uh, Dr. Frederick Treves, who wrote this book based on um, 
his experiences, his research, his his relationship with a man named John, later discovered to be Joseph Merrick, and who really suffered from these disfigurements and this condition. I'll just say this, you know, aside from the real people and the real incidents involved and how this story either is or is not accurate to that, this film itself, there's something about it that uh, it's just undeniable to me. You know, I, I remember this coming out and people kind of talking about it a little bit. And, you know, I would have been in 1980, I would have been like five years old, maybe four or five years old. And I'm sure at some point it was on television and made those rounds where it was promoted or talked about in some ways. And my memory of it as a kid, of course, is that, oh, this is like another horror movie. This is like uh, another Dracula or Frankenstein or The Mummy, one of those kinds of, you know, those universal classic movie monster type deals. I just didn't understand that. Like, this was a whole different thing. And so all these years, I've really had it in that camp. I really thought it was one of those deals. So going back to watch this, part of me was wondering, okay, well, how would David Lynch take on uh, a, a monster movie? You know, I had seen Dune, his adaptation of Dune, and and I just watched it again recently, uh, maybe a couple years ago, um, when the new Dune came out, just to kind of compare and whatever. And I said, okay, well, that was David Lynch taking on a, a big sci-fi epic. And this time, now, I figured, okay, I want to see David Lynch take on a, a monster movie. Well, I, you know, that's my ignorance. That's my stupidity, I guess. I didn't realize that wasn't this at all. This isn't a monster movie. This is really... Uh, uh, it it is maybe one of of the films I've seen. It's one of David Lynch's most human and most grounded stories, because I think it's tackling some themes that everybody at some point in life, and especially when you're younger, probably uh, has to deal with or encounters or struggles with. And some of it is the idea of feeling. Um, left out or feeling misunderstood or feeling even demonized or just feeling like you don't belong and wanting to belong and wanting to be around people and wanting, you know, the, the basics of love and compassion from others. Those are so universal. That is everyone. And so um, this is a film that, aside from even the themes, the uh, the filmmaking, the craft, you know, shot in black and white, which gives it a different feel to it that kind of puts it out of time. I think it's just a, a really a masterwork at this point. I've only seen it once now, but I'm I'm totally interested in watching it again. And something about it is not only the filmmaking, the performances are great, the the writing, the level of attention to, you know, it's not the attention to detail necessarily, but it's, it's, there's a, there's an empathy in the way 
the way it's written, the way it's performed. Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Treves, he really brings a a power and a weight, and, but also a, a, a heart to the character that, you know, I don't know, again, how accurate that might be, but he does a lot of the work in the film for John Hurt playing the elephant man, because we can't see John Hurt. You know, his face, he's covered in makeup and, and prosthetics and all that. His physicality, he doesn't move like a normal man would. So it really is like we're looking at something just different. I mean, we can't even really understand him when he speaks. I mean, and and and, and that's part of the actual real circumstance that the real John Merrick had to deal with. It was he just couldn't speak. He couldn't verbalize clearly. And so to see the actors around John Hurt do some of the work for him to inject and, and to build the empathy that we need as the audience for this character. That's really an interesting kind of uh, trick. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic that everything kind of works around. Even the conflict of Dr. Treves, Anthony Hopkins, feeling like, well, he's taken this man out of this freak show, out of this circus or whatever, off the streets, under the intention of trying to help him, trying to care for him. But maybe he's just done the same thing by suddenly plunging him into the world of medicine and science and maybe made him just another kind of freak show. I want my man back. Just a moment, how did you get out? Never mind that, I want my man. He's still very sick. Now please, come downstairs with me and I'll explain the situation. Don't! Don't. You've had plenty of time to cure him. And now he's leaving with me. Do you understand me? Now. Mr. Treves, we made a deal. You misunderstood. This man has suffered a severe fall. If you take my meaning. Now, he's my patient now. Pull the other one, why don't you? <laughs> Mr. Bite, I'm sorry. But all you do is profit from another man's misery. You think you're better than me? No, I'm not. You wanted the fake to show to those doctor chums of yours to make a name for yourself. You, my friend. I gave you the freak. On trust. In the name of science. And now I want him back. You do not own this man! Now stop it! I want him back. So you can beat him, so you can starve him. A dog in the streets would fare better with you. I shall go to the authorities. Go to the authorities, then. Go to them by all means. I'm sure they'll be very interested to hear your story as well as ours. Now, I think we really do understand one another. Hmm? All right. All right. And so... Everybody that's in the orbit of the Elephant Man 
there's a dynamic there that, um, one, I think it helps to emphasize the alienation and the um, isolation that John Merrick is feeling on his own. But it's also drawing out the different attitudes that the characters around him really have. You know, they're showing their, their true selves in a way. Whether they're trying to help him, they're trying to profit off of him, they're trying to like mock him or hurt him even. Um, that all works as part of this story. And so here I, I think when we do finally get to see John Merrick, because so much of this is, is him either shot just out of frame or we see only glimpses. And then at some point we do see the full man and we are confronted with his condition and what he looks like. And even, you know, the shot where where we're introduced to the character, but we don't see the character, but we see Anthony Hopkins see the character and the camera just holds on him and his reaction. That's something that, I, I mean, he holds the shot and we feel the shock. We feel the hurt through Anthony Hopkins of what this character must be dealing with. That's pretty powerful, really interesting magic trick there. And so I think that's really part of the uh, the dynamic that I take away from this film, that it is about seeing this character and understanding the trauma, understanding the suffering, the, the, the truth of his situation. And it, it just makes it a real haunting, uh, very powerful experience. And, and in, in the end, it's not a monster movie. It's it's a tragedy. It's it's a tragedy about this soul, this spirit who um, is maybe just not made for this world. And so it's it's really of all the movies I've seen now so far, two hundred fifty one. This is like shooting to the top of the ranks for me. Uh, and, and I've only seen it once. I, I'm ready to see it again. I'm just so caught by the power and the craft and the care that this film seems to have been made with. And so it's definitely a recommendation. See that on Criterion Channel. I think that's where it's uh, currently streaming now. So check that out when you have a chance. All right, here we are. Film Streak 252, The Straight Story. This morning you fall and you can't get off the floor. That's your hips, Alvin. And you're going to have to use a walker now to get around. No walker. I love a lightning storm. Oh, me too, Dad. Oklahoma, I had a... a stroke. Rose, darling, I'm going to go back on the road. And I, I've got to make this trip on my own. I've got to go see Lyle. I know you understand. <laughs> Alvin, you're going to get blown off the right off the road. That's what I'm afraid. Mount Zion, Wisconsin. Why didn't you just take your car? I don't have a driver's license. That's 60 more miles of hills. That's across the Mississippi. having a little engine trouble. <laughs> you know, uh, 
I'd be happy to drive you the rest of the way to Mount Zion. I still want to finish this the way I started. And this trip is a hard swallow for my pride. I just hope I'm not too late. You've got two brothers that haven't spoken in 10 years. I want to make peace. I want to sit with him, look up at the stars, like we used to do so long ago. Brothers and brothers. So this film is from 1999, and it's directed by David Lynch, of course, starring Richard Farnsworth, Sissy Spacek, and... I just think, um, you know, my first impression of this film, I remember when this came out and, and the significance of it being that it didn't seem like I think what most people expected a David Lynch film to be. Even so much that I, I remember at the time, in 1999, I remember thinking, is this the same David Lynch? Like, everything about this film is so wildly different than anything else I think that I that I can think of in his filmography. And yet there is a there's a subtext. There there are themes that are common and do run through some of his other films. I mean, even the Elephant Man and, and Eraserhead. And so sitting down to watch this, I tried to readjust some of my expectations. Because one, I knew that this wasn't a strange, offbeat, quirky, terrifying exploration of madness and the dark corners that David Lynch always seems to kind of find himself in. This was a look at a world that I I guess he, for whatever reason, didn't really seem to have an interest in exploring in most other films. Maybe the closest... In a way, maybe the closest that I have seen so far would be something out of Twin Peaks, even though that had a murder mystery at the core of it, and it had all of these strange characters. Uh, there was a part of that that I think still held on to the sense of a small town and the people that live in that small town, like that whole community aspect of it. But here it is much more rooted in reality in our real world and the people that actually that we would encounter in real life. And so um, here uh, the basic premise is we have an old man here. His his name is Alvin. It starts out. He's having some health issues. He's getting older. His health is not doing so great. And he finds out his brother Lyle had a stroke and now, Alvin lives in Iowa, and Lyle lives in Wyoming, but you know, he can't drive. He can't really find a way to get there. So he just decides he's going to get on his riding lawnmower and ride that to Wyoming. And uh, that's the very basic premise of it. I mean, the the journey that he takes and the people that he meets and the circumstances he finds himself in that's what really makes this interesting because uh, whether it's um him breaking down and having to start over again with a new lawnmower or running into 
you know, a young hitchhiker or uh, almost having an accident uh, or, or even still trying to uh, still deal with his grown daughter, played by Sissy Spacek, and her reaction to this and how she's handling him leaving and whether it's a good idea or not and why is he doing this. Like he hasn't seen his brother in years. That's where I think we see... Uh, one One thing is we see the power and the uh, the talent of Richard Farnsworth really bringing it in this role as someone who just almost instantly has a warmth and and a gentleness to his character, to just his being that uh, it, you, you're just automatically like, okay, I want to, I want to kind of get to know this guy. I don't mind being around this guy. And at the same time, we're also seeing the the level of uh, compassion that the people around him, the, the 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 people that he encounters, you know, uh, I think maybe that's the strength of this film. And part of it is like, well, this is kind of a a look at maybe a time and and a way of life that doesn't really exist as much. Uh, and if you want to be cynical about it, you could say, well, this doesn't even exist at all anymore. But I think it does in, in ways. But exploring this idea of the kindness of strangers and approaching others with a warmth and with an open mind and with open arms. And this movie really shines when it lets the story or the characters get to live in those moments. And so I I just think, um, I don't know, I was really taken by this, you know, and part of this film even is, um, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's a little bit of a subconscious thing. Like, and I really, I didn't really expect it to happen, but as I'm watching the film, you're watching Richard Farnsworth and he's riding this lawnmower down the road and he's just, you know, tooling along. He's not making much ground, but he's, he's determined and he's doing his thing and he's talking to different people and he's getting to know people and running into different circumstances. Okay. But something about the image, the way it's portrayed, the way it's filmed, um, in my mind, subconsciously, I think of my grandfather, who used to almost look just like this character. He used to wear a cowboy hat all the time. He was an older man. He had white hair and a beard. And uh, he used to work and, and, and ride lawnmowers all the time. Every time I'd see him, he was dealing with lawnmowers or riding lawnmowers and and that was kind of his thing. And so, um, I don't know, something about it, it, it kind of got me in, on a deeper level than I was really prepared for. And even when it comes down to not just the way the character looks or whatever, but when Alvin runs into different people and the way he reaches out to them, even if it's just a very quiet and very gentle way, you can tell that he has a real kindness in him. He has a real sincerity. It's it's a very earnest kind of role and and story overall. But 
it's not it doesn't feel artificial it doesn't feel like um like put on it feels genuine it feels sincere and so that's where i i think um you know there's a moment where he runs into a, an, another man and they they talk for a little bit they're at a they go to get a beer or something like that and um it's a very moving scene because we're thinking, or at least I'm thinking, oh, these are just going to be two guys. They're just going to have a little chit chat, but it gets a lot deeper than that. I've been doing errands and I'm heading for a beer. I thought you might like to join me. Well, I don't drink anymore, but uh, I'm always up for a change of scenery. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm riding a little higher and going a little faster. Except when you came down that hill. (laughs) I picked up a mournful taste for liquor in France. When I came back, I couldn't drink enough of it. I wasn't worth a stick of stove wood. I was mean. A preacher helped me put some distance between me and the bottle. And he helped me see the reason I was drinking. I was seeing all them things here that I'd seen over there. Lots of men came back drinking hard. Everyone trying to forget. I can see it in a man right away. Yep. And it seems like that that I think really, I you know, this film, it's bittersweet in a way, but this film really is such a great showcase. And I guess posthumously, it's a, it's a, it's a spotlight on Richard Farnsworth and his talent as an actor, as just a presence that for whatever reason, I felt like I'd seen him in plenty of other movies. He's so instantly recognizable, whether it's his face, his eyes, or even his voice. There's just a a tenor. There's a, there's a, I don't know. There's something to it. There's a warmth to it that I feel like I'd seen him in a plenty of other movies before this. But looking through his filmography, I not really. Maybe only two or three. But he's so distinct. He stands out in such a strong way. And to see that this was his last film, and he was 80 years old when he passed away, not long after making this film, and it was very, I mean, you can look into it if you want, but it is a very tragic story um he was old but he didn't die from an old age it's very unfortunate and you know you hate to kind of see that kind of thing happen but um but this being his last role i you know shout out to him and and i don't know if there were at that time if there were many like uh if there was much recognition or acclaim for it but i i i just feel like this is one that 
no matter when you see this film, I think you will recognize the the, the talent here and, and what Richard Farnsworth himself brought to this role. So uh, overall, I mean, it's a recommendation. I, it's a very quiet film. It's, it's a gentle film. It moves at a very slow, deliberate pace. And that's by design. I mean, that's this type of story. It's a man on a lawnmower. So it's not going to move at any kind of fast clip. That's not the point. And, and yet it still has a real emotional heart to it. And I, I just think if you've ever had to deal with family, if you've ever had to deal with loss, if you've ever had to deal with um, relationships just in general, whether it's friends, your neighbors, your, your community, I think there are parts of this film that you could really identify with and, and maybe even be enlightened uh, in terms of how you carry yourself or how other people might see you. So it's a great film. It's a recommendation for sure. Um, this one, uh, I happen to see it. Uh, let's see. It was on Disney plus. Um, it might be available on some other streamers. I don't know, but uh, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Um, with Disney plus they're reining in some older content. So I don't know, it may not be long that you'll get to see this, but check it out there if you can. All right. So that's another episode of film streak. Thanks for checking this out. Thanks for listening. I, I, you know, exploring David Lynch films is a little bit of a, um, it can be a little bit surprising because I the films that I had seen really kind of put me on a, a whole different frame of mind or, or, or a way of thinking about what I was getting into with these. And I'm surprised that most of them, uh, they weren't as... Somehow, I guess I had seen all the weird stuff first. You know, uh, I, I could tell you, like, the, the other films I mentioned earlier, like Lost Highway or, or Mulholland Drive... Um, I don't necessarily know if I really understood everything that was trying to be conveyed in those films thematically or even plot wise, but here, these are maybe a little more, uh, approachable and accessible, especially the straight story. You know, there are other films still that I have to get to from David Lynch. I've never seen wild at heart. And strangely enough, you can't find it anywhere. So, I'll have to track that one down at some point and maybe we'll get to uh, another batch of these films. I didn't get to watch um, Inland Empire. Uh, What I've seen so far, I don't really think I understand what the film is even about, but maybe that's also part of it. Um, So, and you know, I talked about Twin Peaks earlier. I've seen Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me and I've seen the original series. I haven't seen the follow-up from 2017, the, the whatever, the limited series. So I'm curious about that. And at some point, I do want to sit down and watch that. So, and look, we're just talking about feature films and then the TV series. I, if you look at David Lynch's IMDb, there's a ton of short films here. And so I'm sure that's a whole world to explore, too, of the... Uh, the ideas and the filmmaking techniques and, and everything that he's been either experimenting with or just using uh, as a way to tell other stories and, and drop other ideas. So short films are a whole nother thing. 
I, I really try to just stick to features here, but I don't know. Maybe that'll be another uh, David Lynch episode in the future. We'll get into some of that, maybe. So, look, in the meantime, hey, um, again, thanks for listening. If you want to hear some other episodes, of course, go to filmstreak.com. And, uh, hey, let me know. What did I miss on some of these films? Or are, are some of these of interest to you? You've got a list there of all these. You can go watch. You can go find them on IMDb and um, check them out for yourself. So, hey, until next time, go watch some new movies. 